Most of us are going somewhere we know. That doesn't mean you should know what to expect. Be careful. Look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives. And we're gonna win. Whatever it takes. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 242. My guest this week, co-host of the Nostalgia Cast, it's Darren. Darren, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Travis? I'm doing quite well. So our movie for this yeah. week was Avengers Endgame. You the had little not known. seen this before. Yeah, little <laughs> No, little... I had not. <laughs> so made a made a few bucks at the box office, right? <laughs> yeah, it made a little bit of money at the box office. It was fairly well known. Um my first question is how did you not accidentally see it given that it made a billion dollars worldwide? Like <laughs> do you want the short answer or the really, really long answer? <laughs> uh whichever one you want to give me. <laughs> Well, just just so people know where I'm coming from, like everybody, mm-hmm. I got addicted to uh, the MCU with Iron Man, and it just you know spilled out from there. And I've obviously, what, what four years later, you had uh, Marvel's The Avengers, and that was mm-hmm. like you know seeing them gathered for the first time after those four movies or five movies before it. You're like, wow, they did it. They really pulled off this this project that they did. Like they just combined everything and they they really made it work. And so that was impressive. And then. You know, when Thanos turns around at the end of the first Avengers, I was like, oh, so this is not just a project, a one-off thing. This is something that's going to go. But, you know, it's still fine because I enjoyed Iron Man 3 and obviously Guardians uh, started coming out. Winter Soldier was that. So I enjoyed everything. And I think it just got to the point where I just started recognizing, I don't, I don't want to say flaws, but like repetitions and like little mm-hmm. uh, shortcomings that uh, that befalls every single fr- franchise mcu is really no different from every other franchise and that it, sure. if you're going to keep it going you need to like ignore certain things or brush past certain things or take your time getting places and i just i was getting disillusioned and then by the time black panther hit i was like i think this is the high i think this is where this is the best that they're going to do because it was a very personal project um <laughs> like the costumes and the art direction just it spoke to that the black community and i was like there's there's a voice here and so i thought i don't know if franchise movies going to get better than this and i just decided i just wasn't going to watch them anymore and the, the problem with that because uh, again i decided not to do that because it's like well i don't have time to keep watching i've got so many other things right that i have to sure. start p- picking and choosing but the thing with being on twitter is that with spoiler culture and things like that i had the hard part was well if i'm not going to watch these things i have to make peace with the fact that Things are going to get spoiled. And once you do that, yeah. then it's fine. And so, yeah, I mean, by osmosis, I'd watched uh, Endgame because of all the clips and everything. So I'm, and again, I wasn't mad at it because I made that uh, deal with myself. But then, yeah, again, I watched Infinity War just a, a few months ago. I did watch Spider-Man No Way Home and Black Widow and just a few other things without watching Endgame because I understood everything from the mm-hmm. memes and things like that. But yeah, it was just a sure. question of, I just, I know what to expect now. Nothing's really going to surprise me. I've, there's, I've, I need to catch up on all these other things. Like obviously your show is, mm-hmm. you know, wait, you haven't seen. Right. So I've right. got a lot of other movies I need to catch up on instead of these things that are just kind of, 
again, I'm going to sound negative, but they're off an assembly line, right? I mean, that's what they want. They, they want mm-hmm. you to come back and just feel the same thing. So, yeah, that's the long-winded way of saying that's why I hadn't watched Endgame until until just yesterday. And and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I can get that. Like, when you look at the what what Marvel has done with this with this cinematic universe that they created and you know say what you want about uh the quality of the films but they started off with they put all their eggs in kind of the iron man basket in 2008 they made that and they might have like kevin feige might have had ideas of well you know if this does well we can continue on and maybe make something out of this and it would be kind of cool to be able to make multiple movies that do tie into each other but it it all hinged on that first iron man movie if that if that movie doesn't do well we don't have an mcu and right, it exactly. did and yeah. it it became i look almost it's a it, it's not a new take but you look at from iron man in 2008 to avengers endgame in 2019 so 11 years and i think that spans 20 something movies um, yeah. over 11 years, which is, if you kind of think about it, like it was one season of a television show just stretched out on a ridiculous level, <laughs> right? It's basically that it's one long arcing story that start. The difference is they didn't start with what, where it was going to end as the plan. They kind yeah. of started realized, Oh, we've got something here. And then by the time of four or five years down the road is when you start hitting that sort of, that's where you get some of the, because my whole thing with the MCU at the end of the day is that even at its worst, it's watchable. And, and if it's, if it's a type of story that you're going to get into, or if it's characters that you want to watch, then they're great. And if it's not your thing, then you don't have to like the Marvels just came out. I just went and saw that uh, over the weekend and one of the things I was hearing from people was, oh, I don't want to have to do the homework to watch that. And you don't, right. you don't have to, you get, you can get more out of it, but it's like, um, it's like reading the book of the Lord of the Rings and then watching the film and seeing the way that they adapt it. You just, yeah. there's like, there's more layers to it at that point. But I also understand like, number one, superhero stories are not for everybody. Right. And there is a bit of a fatigue that can happen. Like I said, that was 20 something movies over the span of 11 years. That's a lot. That is a lot to ask out of somebody to to keep up with in the first place. It's really become as they've gone on and 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 more so past Endgame and past sort of that first kind of overarching story that they told. Yeah. It's really become like comic books. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Where you've got you've got all these different books going on and it's like, you can't, there's, there's just, it's impossible to keep up with everything. Um, so you, I think the way that you went about it is actually pretty smart. Like you enjoyed the first part of that ride. And then you got to a point where it was just like, you know what? I, I can't, I've got other things I want to do. I want to spread, you know, broaden your horizons a little bit because you can always come back to something like this later too, if it strikes your fancy. Um, now, you uh, having watched Infinity War a couple months ago, um, did that pique your interest at all to like actually absorb all of Endgame, or was it more of like, well, okay, I saw that it, it was okay, um, but it was still just kind of like a back burner thing. Like maybe someday I'll get to it. Well, I think we messaged each other because Infinity War. It's interesting. I don't really think of the uh, Russos as good. I don't know. I don't think of them as really quality filmmakers. They're they're good 
um, like how, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're organizers. They're good at, cause you know, they came up on arrested development and happy mm-hmm. endings and, uh, community things. So they're good at wrangling all these different personalities. And that's what I think really sells them. I think with winter soldier, they hit on like a tone that was like, Oh, this is like fast paced and more than just the seventies conspiracy. It was like, it had that tone. It had Robert Redford in it, obviously, but it also had this like real world feel that I don't know that the, mm-hmm. the previous MC. So that's what hooked me with Winter Soldier. But then Civil War, again, Winter Soldiers has this paranoid kind of feel to it because it's the, after those 70s films. But Civil War, they just did the same style. And it for me, it didn't mm-hmm. fit the, the paranoia, didn't fit that story because that's not the same story. And then Fair. with Infinity War, I mean, again, they're good gatherers, but I just think like some of the visuals in Infinity War were like, yeah, you could tell these guys are from TV. But I, again, that was the point where MC, the MCU started. Instead of great physical costumes, they would just paper over them with CGI, right? Like the Spider-Man suit or the Black Panther suit. So just the mm-hmm. visuals, it seemed very processed. But what I really liked about Infinity War was, number one, it made it from the point of view of the bad guy. So he was yep. technically the protagonist of the story, and everybody was trying to stop him and he accomplishes his goal i thought that was brave for a story but again when you're in franchises and you realize they're killing off half of everybody and you're like well obviously they're not because they already announced like a spider-man movie so obviously they're not uh-huh. dead dead right and i like to say that i watched it with my wife infinity War with my wife a little and she watched the whole part where they were dying like in silence like mm-hmm. no like I, I guess in theaters like people were just screaming because they didn't and again it's brave that they did that but my wife kind of had the good the, the point the right point she was it, it ended and then she looked at me very quietly and she said so how do they come back because it didn't yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't she knew that they were going to come back you know what i mean so it, th- that's the problem with the franchise stuff is you know where they're going so some of the the impact is lost but again i like the and there are some other issues I had in Infinity War that I don't I don't know if we necessarily need to go into those, but just as a story, I thought it was good, but it didn't. Yeah, I was like, well, I'll, I'll I still had Captain Marvel to watch, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I had to do that, and so I was like, well, I'm I'm not super excited to watch that because of the discourse around it. Like I remember, you know, when you if you liked Captain Marvel when it came out, you were like an SJW, and if you hated it, then oh, you yeah. were a misogynist. And I was like, well. I can't win then. What's the point of watching this movie if I can't voice an opinion? Uh, so I and, just wasn't excited about doing that. So I never got yeah, around. And, to so, it. and so much of that is just so exhausting. Like I just, I just get tired of like, it's okay to like things. It's okay to not like things, but the tribalism of that kind of stuff just right. wears me out. Like, like you said, you can't win. Yeah. You're going to piss somebody off. So, um, that's interesting, though. Uh, and there's really no way to talk about Endgame without talking about Infinity War because yeah, it's yeah. sort of one big story anyway. But right. I like that you I like the way you say that where Infinity War was like to a casual fan. I can see people kind of getting upset with characters dying off with any amount of media literacy. You sort of know they're coming back. Something's going to happen because right. the story is not done. If nothing else, the story isn't finished yet. Yeah. And. But you're right in that it is brave to have your bad guy win and he accomplishes his goal. And, you know, it's not obviously not the first movie to do that. And it's not the first franchise film to even do that. But um, but it's still a brave move to, to make your point on the Russo brothers. I think you're not that far off, uh, honestly, like I don't look at because the way the MCU started, John Favreau had kind of a style. Um, And it fit Iron Man really, really well. And those first few MCU movies, when you had uh, Kenneth Branagh directing Thor, you had Mm -hmm. um, 
Louis Leterrier doing uh, Incredible Hulk, which I think I feel is better than people give credit for. Um, is yeah, it it's perfect? Not, no. Like you said, but it's, it's not bad. I don't, I haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder yet. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I haven't hated an MCU movie yet. They're all very watchable. Just like you said, Incredible Hulk is very watchable. I don't have, at the end of the day, like I know I've got kind of the uh, reputation of being the MCU hater on Twitter, but I'm not. It's just once I've seen a great movie that they've done, I, mm-hmm. I know that they can be capable of so much more. Incredible Hulk, it's fine. It's a good two hour watch. Sorry sure. to interrupt you. But yeah, there's nothing no, 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 wrong you're fine. with that. Um, uh, on Thor Love and Thunder, if you liked Ragnarok and you go into it with the mindset of like, this is just Ragnarok 2, uh, it's not bad. It is still just Taika Waititi in the end of the yeah, day. Like okay. it got a lot of hate, but I watched it and I thought oh, this, the, the difference between, for me, between Ragnarok and Love and Thunder was just, well, Ragnarok was new and it was different yeah. and right. we hadn't seen that in the MCU yet. And right. then we're just kind of retreading it, um, mm-hmm. to, which is to your point, it's. And and what I think with the Russos is they came up in TV and you're right. They are great organizers. They're great wranglers. Yeah. But also they kind of get that feel of like the studio director, right? The director right. that's like um, they they get called on. Uh, one that I can think of is um, Peter Hyams um, mm-hmm. is one of those kind of guys where he was he was somebody that you could pull in uh, even sometimes last minute as a replacement for a director would drop and the studios knew what they were getting out of him. He was just an old school movie guy. Yeah. Um, and that's where, uh, cause I, he directed one of my favorite movies in um, running scared. I absolutely yeah, adore great, that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also did stuff like the relic and uh, <laughs> right. end of days. Like right. they're fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with them, but there's nothing great about them either. He was just, he's a gun for hire kind of, and that's yeah. sort of what the Russos kind of feel like, right? That's that. Yeah. They're not, they're not an uh, uh, they're not auteurs. They're not the Cohen right. brothers. They're not you know. Uh, well, you, a director you talked about with like. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You, you talked uh, about like studio directors, like Michael Curtiz of all people, like directing Casablanca and Adventures of Robin Hood. He was a guy that directed movies like crazy, right? So I and mm-hmm. he's I mean Casablanca, like very well known as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, movies ever made, right? Yeah. So I don't. I don't have anything wrong with studio directors. It's oh just, yeah, neither do I. Like when you're when you're given the choice, it's like when you have a Ryan Coogler, when you have a James Gunn, you know, you have mm-hmm. Taika Waititi, which you know, I I really look and and Shane Black. Like I look for those personnel. You know, once you start like the franchise, like we talked about, it's just a conveyor belt type thing, right? So mm-hmm. once they start doing that, like I start savoring the Shane Blacks and the James yeah. Gunns and the Ryan because those are oh, this is a director not just doing studio stuff. Even though sometimes like Coogler was, he's forced to do studio stuff with the uh, you know the final battle or the cgi black panther caught you know stuff like that but still yeah there's a voice that i can hear and again i don't i don't think the russos have like any voice i know that they think they do but it's just mm-hmm. they're they're fine there's nothing like terrible about them but it's like you know i appreciate something more with a little more style uh, again that sounds negative but there's there's nothing wrong just back to your point there's nothing wrong with studio directors no and and i think too Honestly, with something like the Infinity War Endgame type of movie, while a little bit more of a voice would be great, at the same time, it's a it's this mishmash of all these different characters coming from right. movies with different styles kind of coming together. So in that sense, I think the Russos did a pretty damn good job given what they had in that. Like, that's right. kind of that impossible task of, well, you've got to take 
Iron Man out of the John Favreau slash Shane Black movies, right? Which, by the way, Iron Man three super underrated in the MCU. Shane yeah, Black, one of my favorites. I yeah. I really liked that movie, and right. I'm I'm in the minority of liking the Trevor Slattery reveal because I just thought <laughs> that's a great yeah, well, trip subversion. Like it is all the if marketing you, points in one you. direction. <laughs> Yeah, good because like it's it's that you know the all the marketing gets you looking right and then they come into the from the left with like aha check this out and right. I liked that um, but when you're pulling that character out of this and this character out of that you sort of need uh, I don't know if needs the right word but I I I don't mind the uh, less of a distinct voice here because all the characters still get their what yeah. they need in it. And that was one of the things that I thought with Endgame was really interesting was um, our three, they focused so much on kind of the three main uh, heroes. They focused so much on Iron Man, on Thor, and on Captain America, um, yeah. while also like, the kind of the core Avengers, right? And then Clint, um, you know, Hawkeye and, and Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And I loved sort of the three different stories being told. Yeah. Um, cause we start off with everybody, you know, they've lost, they're regrouping, they're licking their wounds. Tony's floating out in space, you know, he <laughs> right. comes home and they, they bring him home and there's like the internal conflict, right. Of we lost and you weren't there and all that kind of stuff. And then, oh, we've got a chance to go fix it. And they get to Thanos and nope, it's too late. He's already like done away with the one thing they could have used to fix it. And so you get Thor's kind of rock bottom moment of yeah. uh, and and then the story they told with thor i thought was was really i loved that uh, a, a good deal of that is chris hemsworth's thor is this just kind of buffoon but he's right. so lovable um mm -hmm. well that's what and made then, him such a great likable because he was very thou and this you know that and with branagh's which is fine because that's how you establish it but i think by the time ragnarok mm -hmm. came around yeah i mean they established him as kind of a goofball but that's what people like you know they settled on uh -huh. a format that people like really enjoyed and i get that the comic book fans push against that but it's like yeah but he's hemsworth is a really gifted comedian and he really sells his stuff and i like his thor so yeah you have that yeah. argument of comics versus movies but i think that you know once you settle into something that works you want to stick to it instead of uh, well, tripping back and so and they're two different mediums too so it's not yeah. the same character it's a it's right. a interpretation of that character from the comics as long as you don't stray too you don't make them completely different like while I love uh, an example of changing a character a ton is the first Mission Impossible movie, turning Jim Phelps into the bad guy. Like, right. You know, that's totally 180 degrees from who he was in the show, but I also Absolutely. sort of got it. Like, didn't bother me at the time. But as long as you're not just fundamentally rewriting a character and their motivations, if you change a little bit about them here, like uh, Donnie Jr.'s Tony Stark isn't a picture perfect Tony Stark from the comics, but he is a great adaptation of who Tony Stark is. And if right. there's one thing that Marvel has done great from the beginning is casting. Their casting oh, yeah, for these characters knocks it out of the park every single time. Yeah. Uh, I can rarely think of somebody who's miscast. There might be some actors that get misused or underutilized. Right. But it's rare. And, and usually those are villains. That's been their one right. big thing is a lot of villains just aren't aren't that well fleshed out so the few that are do stand out um right. well, but unless you're talking about like in, so 
Yeah, like an Edward Norton or a Terrence Howard where I don't know if they were miscast, but it's like they recast him, right? I mean, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just stuff and, that, you know, that's studio stuff. Yeah, and that's all, you know, kind of behind the scenes stuff. I mean, Norton is a fantastic actor and I liked him mm-hmm. as Banner. I I do like Ruffalo better. Right. Because I think he fits the the tone that they're going for. But, you know, that was just a case of like Norton and uh, the studio not getting along. So right. that happens. That's nothing yeah. new. Um, in fact, I mean, when you think about the number of movies that they've done and shows and and all that kind of stuff to have as few recastings as they've had for these characters that have been around forever yeah. um, is pretty impressive. And the other thing that Endgame did, so you had your first story and then you have your middle story, which is the time heist, which is probably the most fun of this this movie mm-hmm. because it's just ridiculous. It's so silly. <laughs> And right. it's such a dumb concept, but I love it at the same time because of the ridiculous nature of it. Plus, right. we got a lot of Scott Lang, and I mean, just give me all the Paul Rudd you can. Like, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Um, and then you had that third act where they break, they they accomplished their goal, but then oh, now we've got now we've got the big fight, and that yeah. is obviously it's a huge CG spectacle. Um, mm-hmm. But where a lot of uh, superhero movies can end that way, this is one of those that earns that big CG set piece at the end of it because you kind of, you don't want to have that battle take place because there's going to be a battle mm-hmm. without giving everybody enough time, right? Everybody's right. got to get some time on, on screen. And it did have, I will say, in the theater, there's been a few moments in theaters for me that I can recall how I felt at that very moment, like the visceral feeling that I got in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those was in Avengers Endgame, and it's uh, Cap h- pulling Mjolnir and holding yeah, it for the first time because of, because I'd read it, you know, it was in a comics that he was able to do that. And it was not signposted really much at all. So that moment when it happened was just, I mean, I've been in some theaters with cheering going on. You, I don't understand it totally, but I get it in some ways. Um, but that was one of the louder ones I can remember. And just that moment of that happening, um, yeah. which, you know, that's, that's 10 years of, of film kind of culminating into a, into almost a single moment. But I just, mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed what they did to kind of put the bow on it. Now that's where I think, uh, it's the one of the strengths of Endgame, but also it hurts like as a franchise. And I, I don't even think it hurts as a franchise. It just it denotes it's a demarcation point. Is Endgame puts a nice bow on so many stories, right? Um, you know, because it, it lets you wa- wrap up Captain America's story and move on to the next one, and it wraps up Tony's story and move on to the next. The only thing is. I do wish there was a little, a little bit more for Black Widow in terms of like fallout from what happened to her, right? Because she was so integral to that team, um, and mm-hmm. so as a character, the moment that it happens, that whole thing with her and Clint um, on Vormir, that's a. I still have a little bit of trouble watching that, to be honest, because I get I get a little emotional when some when I watch certain movies, and this is one of them. It's just. It's that moment where, and I think it's because the relationship between those two characters is such a relationship we don't get enough in movies. 
between yeah. uh you know a man and a woman especially but it's that it's a pure love between uh Natasha and Clint that has no romantic undertones to it whatsoever right and it's not familial uh by blood but they understand each other so well and there's just such a tight bond there and i think the two of them pull that off so well so it's just one of those moments that that really sticks with me of like the struggle especially as clint is like well i know what i've got to do and that's like yeah i know what i know i know what needs to be done he's like i think we're thinking of two different things here. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just that realization <laughs> washing over his face is so good right and i like jeremy renner a lot and scarlett johansson too i mean at, so many actors in this are just fantastic. But well, the the thing with you're talking about that it's it's built over what twenty two films, right? I mean, it's it was there in the first Avengers and the you know how what is it Loki that questions or is this love and he's like that I'm not a child, you know what I mean? And it goes much mm-hmm. deeper than even best friends. I mean, they're just you know, and even Laura Clint's wife understands that, and she's mm-hmm. you know Natasha's an integral part of their lives, so there is that. Again, it's those character bonds. I know that Civil War came out the same year as Batman v Superman. And the problem mm-hmm. with Batman v Superman is they had to establish all these character arcs. So it was hard. But, you know, in Civil War, where they, because of the uh, accords or whatever, and they split, the characters have been built to the point where we know exactly how they're going to side, right? And it's yeah. not, we don't have to struggle with it or try to figure out why, like we did with the other movie, because we've been attuned to these characters and what they feel. And I think. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Like I said, I'm down on the MCU with its with its flaws and things like that, and with its shorts com- shortcomings. But there's no denying the power. You know, you talked about with this is a culmination. Endgame is a culmination of those 10, 11 years, and it does mm-hmm. it brings that to a close so well. I cannot, I can't be the cynic and watch this and go, they didn't do a good job at it because those, uh, you know, the the crowd pleasing moments hit and they hit hard, and that's. That's the thing. There's a difference, and I've seen the reaction videos when he when Cat picks up Mjolnir and just the way the audience goes crazy. There's a difference between that and a difference between watching it at home with my family and the kids running around yelling and the wife not really interested, you know, and then yeah. it doesn't hit the same way. But again, I'd also been because I'd seen the reaction videos and the memes, that impact mm-hmm. was lessened. So if anything, yeah, I made the decision not to watch these, but I do regret not being part of that communal experience to, to experience these things. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like for me, another instance of that in a theater was, and I got real into, in 2004, um, Firefly. It was my, Mm. uh, I got exposed to it. Friend of mine had the DVD set. Um, and I was, where you uh, got to watch them in order. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I didn't have to deal with Fox messing that up. No, in fact, He uh, he loaned me the set. There's 14 episodes of the show. I watched them all in a 24 hour period the first time. I just I like I couldn't stop. I was just voracious. Yeah. But it was it was a show that was um, very important to me and my friends at the time. Um, so when Serenity came out the next year, and I went and saw that in the theater, I had a very similar type of moment um, with that movie in a specific scene uh, involving Wash, where I'd never felt the oh. air get sucked out of a, a yeah. room like that the collective gasp like almost made my ear pop from a pressure change. And that was it. So if you, so it sounds like you had a similar experience or can, uh, can go with that. So it was that level of thing with Endgame in a theater. And so it is a bummer. You didn't get to experience that, but 
you know, there, there are, there are films that do that for us. And I think, I think maybe had it not been an 11 year journey to get to end game, because the MCU, so the whole Martin Scorsese thing of like, you know, Marvel films aren't cinema, they're, they're theme park rides and however you want to interpret that, um, or whatever, whatever the exact quote was like, he's not wrong about that either. Right. At all. And the MCU doesn't need to be cinema, doesn't need to be high art to, to be good and to be enjoyable. Um, but an 11 year roller coaster ride, that's a long time to stay in the car. So like (laughs) people that tap out at some point, I get it. (laughs) Um, uh, and they got you there. They got you there in the car. That's what's impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it is because you enjoyed the ride on paper. It shouldn't work. Like we talk about franchises, but, but think about pre Iron Man franchises that were out there. Uh, I mean, outside of something like uh, a horror franchise, like Friday the 13th, um, you didn't have a lot that did multiple movies over the course of 10 years. Um, you might get two or three uh, Ninja Turtles movies, or you might get a movie in a sequel. James Bond had been going for a long time by that point, but it wasn't a commonplace thing. And it certainly wasn't with with disparate characters telling all sorts of stories that culminated together. That just that wasn't a thing done in movies a whole lot. Like you didn't see that. Um, it would always be like horror franchises basically were whoever the the killer was, and then insert your cannon fodder for that particular right. movie. Um, so Marvel really did something interesting with this, and. To your point, when you talked about Batman v Superman, its problem was trying to do five years worth of what Marvel did in one movie, right? Because they were playing. And you just can't. Up. Yeah, you no, just you can't, can't do that. Um, and Hollywood being a a uh, copycat area, like when something works, people follow it. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Lord of the Rings is shot basically back to back, which I'm trying to think of another series of movies or or sequels that did that the only ones i could think of maybe back to the future before that yeah. where they well, where they were like caribbean did it and um well spider-verse yeah, is they, doing it now i think yeah but all of that came out like not lord of the rings yeah, yeah. yeah lord of the rings really kind of set that um really kind of set that tone for doing that yeah. and it's like the mcu kind of set this idea of oh you can do interconnected movies and not just like an Easter egg here or there. Um, but actually like characters that will cross over. And mm-hmm. I really, I, I, I have to give them a ton of credit for that. It's not an easy thing to do. And we are seeing, I do feel like there's a little bit of uh, a loss from the beginning. Like the, the start of the MCU, what was kind of cool about it was you would get like a period movie like uh, Captain America, first Avenger, right? It's a, it's a world war two set action movie and you Mm -hmm. get your, uh, the first Ant-Man's a heist movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're right in that they've gotten a little too homogenized with some of the things that they've been doing. I still enjoy stuff. It's not my favorite, but like Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. I went, I sat down and watched it and I had a good time, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have high expectations for this to be something mind-blowingly new now had it been i would have been pleasantly surprised but it's sort of i kind of you're right in that you kind of know what you're getting at this point and you know 
take that what you will. Um, for some people, that's what they want. They don't, because that's another thing too we, that I have to consider when I think about talking about movies like this is I know people that don't want a film to challenge them. They just exactly. want to have yeah. popcorn entertainment all the time. You know, there's nothing because, wrong with that. No, nothing wrong at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're better. We're, we're better off having both. I want both ends of that spectrum. What I don't want is for it to tip too far to where the, the thing that I worry about is the only movies getting made or stuff like that. Thankfully it's, yeah. we're not, re- I can't say that we're really in danger of that happening, but it's always a fear that you have, right? When, mm-hmm. because box office drives so much and so many people put a lot of stock into box office wrongfully, I think, because I don't box mm-hmm. office doesn't, box office numbers are not uh, equal to quality of a film at all. Um, yeah, I think, exactly. I, I think, think you I, even, I think you tweeted, tweeted something like that like today. Yeah, um, yeah I did. It's like, uh, like the Marvels is a prime example. I went and saw the Marvels. I had a great time with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, a nice, you know, hour 45 minutes. So it's not a overly bloated. It wasn't a, uh, groundbreaking story by any stretch, but it was a fun movie. And honestly, Ms. Marvel, um, Iman Vellani, I think is her name. Oh yeah. Yep. She's, she's, she's a treasure. She is just a joy. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but you know, that movie is supposedly doing terrible numbers and you know, it's, it's a bummer that the, the movie doesn't make enough money for the studio to want to do something with that. But at the same time, it doesn't, it's not what the quality of the film is. It's a, it's a good movie. So the thing that I'm noticing now, again, like commenting just on a couple of things like Scorsese. Yeah. There's a little bit of the old man yelling at clouds, but what he is absolutely saying is what you just said. It's like, I enjoy these. It's good to have both, but if it's just the one thing, that's where it's boring. I need to be Mm -hmm. challenged, but then I also just need two hours of just fun where I can just erase all the problems of the day. It needs to be that nice balance. If all it is, is, and again, I, I get in trouble because I compare the MCU to McDonald's. Maybe I'll compare it to my favorite place to eat is In-N-Out, right? Let's compare okay. it to that. It's like I can sure. eat it In-N-Out like whenever I want. But if I'm eating there for three weeks straight, I'm going to be like, uh, I need something else. It's nothing against yeah. In-N-Out. I just need a different meal in my stomach, right? And that's Absolutely. that's that's at the heart of what Scorsese is saying. And I know people because they don't, the funny thing about comic book movies and comic book movie nerds is that they spent so much of their lives. I say this all the time, like being bullied by people that didn't like these things. And now mm-hmm. the comic book movies are the norm. Now they become the bullies and they're pushing back on people that don't like them, like Scorsese or like some other critics who, because they're, how dare you insult the thing that I love and I've got the power yeah. now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, again, I don't, I don't mind that. I just need some more stuff. And that's why, again, when I hit Black Panther, I was like, this is like the high point of I get a voice, but I also get the entertainment. And this is a like a great yep. melding of the two, right? And the other thing you're talking about, Serenity, is like I never watched Firefly. I've, I still haven't, as a matter of fact, but it's still on my list. But the thing <laughs> that made Serenity so great is that the writing and the character work in that is so great that when they uh, – when Wash, what happens when that happens, or the big twist when – what are the um, – I can't remember the zombie creatures' names. What Reavers. Are they, what were they called? When you find out what the Reavers are – yeah. The way that the writing is done, I was like, oh, this is a big thing. Like, I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen the series, but I get that this is – and that's the quality of the writing. And they, because they sell you, the writing is so good in those things. And that was the thing that was great about Infinity Wars. I hadn't watched these in a while, 
sitting down mm-hmm. to watch Infinity War and remember and Endgame as well, the character interactions were just again. I got to the point where I didn't care what the plots were. Spoil anything. What really matters to me in the MCU is the character interaction because they're so priceless yes. and they've got the characters. They know the characters so well that they can just sit them in a room and they'll be able to bounce off each other in entertaining, fun ways because they enjoy each other's company, right? And so yeah. it was refreshing to sit with Infinity War. Oh, yeah, this is why I like this stuff because all the characters <laughs> stuff. And then you introduce the Guardians with uh, Tony Stark and there's that dynamic. So there's still new oh, yeah. stuff. So again the character stuff just works like gangbusters um and in end game again i remember the part where banner is trying he's he thinks he's got the time thing and he's sending scott back and forth and he comes back as as an old man when he comes back as a baby i was just (laughs) it was just so pitch perfect and so funny and the way that chris evans reacted to ruffalo and he goes time travel it was just i was like this is like you, yep. This is not something that you can just fake. This is something that, that's just, it it works because they've spent so much time with, and they know these characters in and out. And because yep. it's that journey, uh, I can't, like I could nitpick stuff in Endgame, uh, but at the end of the day, it's it hits those, those, those uh, crowd-pleasing moments. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, uh, I have a, a friend on Twitter, MC Myers, who wrote a, a great piece on Endgame. And one of his, his two major complaints were that in infinity War, you build this whole idea of they lose, right? It's this big thing where you, they're the heroes. They can't lose. Right. But then gradually like vision dies and all this stuff happens. And you're like, what's happening. And at the end, when they disappear again, it's predictable and you can brush it off because they'll come back, but it's really well done. And you can sense mm-hmm. everybody's loss because of the character building. And his issue, MC's issue was that you build this and then it's all about just undoing that feeling. And the bit in the beginning of Endgame I thought was refreshing because these are the characters and they're dealing with the fallout. You know, when Tony's arguing yes. with with uh, with Steve, it's like all these these frustrations are coming out. And I I really like that. But it, it got to the point where they were like, you know, oh, I don't have to we can erase all this. So we don't have to deal with our issues. We can go back and get everything back, which again is what you want in a crowd-pleasing movie. I can't hold it against that, right? Um, MC also says when when Captain America picks up the hammer, uh, you know, I'm kind of confused. I'm like, well, what makes you worthy, right? Because, you know, Thor's mm-hmm. obviously like, but he's, you know, he's only able to pick up the hammer, you know, once he's humbled again, right? And yeah. then I don't understand, like, because Steve picks it up, but then you have with Civil War, one of my problems with it is that I didn't, these characters that they built so much, I didn't like Steve in that one. I didn't like Tony in that one because they were acting like very hypocritically and stubborn and all this. So I'm like, well, how does that, do- you can be stubborn and you can be a jerk to each other, but you're still worth, I don't know, there's, there's all these things that you can think about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when he lifts that hammer, I, I can't complain because this it's been building to that. And it's just such a crowd-pleasingly great moment that how mm-hmm. do you criticize something like that at the end of the day? You can asterisk yeah. it, but you can't hate on it. And even like, I remember one of the big, big criticisms of Endgame when it came out, and it's from the minority that didn't like Captain Marvel and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff was there's the shot where uh, Peter Parker's got the gauntlet and then um, Captain Marvel shows up and yeah. does her thing with the ship and then says, hey, Peter Parker, you got something for me? And he's like, yeah, but I, I you know, they're looking across the battlefield and it's just bedlam. He's like, I don't know how you're going to make it. And there's the whole, uh, she's got help. And it's the shot of all the the women, Mm -hmm. which I loved because it's all these characters (laughs) coming together at that one moment. And 
it got so much backlash online unfairly. It's like yeah. we had another moment like that not that long ago with all the dudes and no one cared about that one. Like no one made a big deal about that. It's, yeah. you know, it, there's there's nothing wrong. Like I love those little pockets of moments. Um, you mentioned the time travel one. That one kills me every single time I watch this or just, <laughs> I mean, Scott Lang in general, because like Scott Lang gets to be that character. That's just like, I'm just happy to be here. And I'm a fan yeah. of all these people. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's super fun. But like they, when they go back to New York and you get to see Tony looking in on the Avengers, you know, as they're confronting Loki. Yeah. And so it's a scene that we've all we all watched in that movie, and now we're seeing it from the backside of it. But like his reaction to stuff is just great, and uh, <laughs> like I love all that kind of stuff. Um, it's effortless. It's just, it is, and it's those character moments. You you nailed it with saying like the character interactions are what drive this, and it's it's the casting, and then them getting to just live inside those characters and become those characters. Because there was another criticism I've heard. Um, I know Tarantino said this, and I think even Anthony Mackie backed it up. Is like losing the idea of movie stars because oh yeah, yep, they're, exactly. They're only the characters. Um, at first, when I heard that, my initial reaction to it was like, "Bull, you're not. No, that doesn't happen." And then I get thinking about it. No, no, no. They're talking in the broader sense of like general audiences mm -hmm. are only yep. going to think of Chris Evans as Captain America, and that's unfortunate because the dude's got some range and he's been good in other things. Um, yeah. And, and I had to realize that the reason I bristled so much at that is that I don't like, I don't even think of my old excuse with Tom Cruise was like, he was always playing the same character. And then I mm -hmm. saw him in something and he wasn't that character anymore. And I'm like, okay, no, he can actually act. But a lot of his big movies, he's playing the same thing. Um, but like I'm able to sort of separate and, and let an actor show up in something else and be like, no, no, hold on. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what she's got. You know, let's uh, let, let, let's let this play out a little bit first instead of immediately saying like, well, there's no way I can watch Keanu Reeves in this movie because I'll only see him as Ted. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, he's watched John Wick and you're like, yeah, that ain't Ted. Although that's <laughs> Ted if he went off to military school. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's my headcanon there. If uh, John if his dad had actually his dad, if he was a, a a demon, you know, a demon fighter and exorcist. <laughs> See, yeah, okay. Same. So there's there's a great example of a movie um, that if you want to be a diehard, like adaptation should be the same thing as the source material. Constantine oh, yeah. isn't very good, right, right? Right, because it deviates quite a bit. But that movie is a lot of fun. And it's great. I yeah. I love so many parts of it. I don't even mind that it is. Initially, I, I remember initially being like, eh, I don't know if I love this. And then the more I've thought about it over the years, the more I'm like, no, this is great. And it's yeah. so different um, from well, what the, the comic was. Yeah, it depends on how you're attacking it. Because when we watched Constantine in the theater, we watched it for Keanu Reeves, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know, like, he was a blonde British dude. So when I... I went home True. and I was like, well, who's John Constantine? I was like, oh, he's a blonde British dude. And I'm like, well, what does that have to do with, why should that affect 
I enjoyed it. Like, I think mm-hmm. personally, I think that might be my favorite Keanu performance because his kind of offhand kind of stoic, you know, the way that he delivers all his lines and he's a cynic and he's just kind of just done with everything. You know what I mean? He's, I really yep. like, I think that suits him perfectly. So at the end of the day, I was like, well, I don't care that he's not a blonde British dude. I really loved him in that performance. And it's a, oh, sure. it's a clever offhand kind of comic book movie. I thought it was, you know, it's not the most perfect thing, but again, I just watched it. Uh, what the third time on netflix it was just on i was like well let's see if and i watched the whole thing because it's very entertaining but yeah if if you get stuck on those things like uh, the flames on optimus prime or james bond not blonde it's that i i can't i can't latch myself onto those things because that's not what a character's about if or no. even the christian bale voice in batman yeah it's silly but that's not that's not what the character it doesn't come down to his voice you know what i mean yeah and there's i always things that are I, happening yeah i always bristled at that one because every actor that played batman did a batman voice just bale went so far over the top with his like <laughs> right. even going like kevin conroy is my favorite interpretation of batman because because i grew up on batman the animated series yeah, the batman and right. mm-hmm. and and so for me when i think of batman the voice i hear in my head is kevin conroy but he did two different voices for Bruce and, and Batman. Yeah. Like they all do it. And it wasn't just, so you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say that I don't care so much about the flames on Optimus prime, but Optimus prime having lips was really weird at first. <laughs> I, 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 I had trouble with that. <laughs> well, him in the later movies starting to kill humans and everybody that's. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a little more. Back. I was like, oh, I don't yeah. this is not <laughs> Michael but, Bay. But you're right. Issues. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're right. That That isn't what makes the character. What makes the character is what serves the story being told. And and that can there can be many interpretations of that, whether it's John Constantine as Keanu Reeves. For that story, for that world, I, eventually what I can look at is it's just an, it's an adaptation. You're taking yeah. a source material, you're adapting it, you're changing some things. And sometimes those work, sometimes those don't. Um, but I think more often than not, let a thing be what it is rather than what you want it to be. Don't try yeah. to like, and, and it's hard, right? It's hard to do because we always bring our baggage and our expectations into whatever we watch. My prime example of that is um, when event horizon came out 1997. Hmm. And I went and saw that in the theater um, at 15, 16 years old, probably too young to watch it, but whatever. <laughs> a um, little bit. <laughs> but it was my a group of friends of mine and um we went and saw it we had all the marketing had set us up for it to be this like sci-fi with a little bit of horror in it so we weren't yeah. prepared for what we saw and so the initial reaction was that was terrible we hated it yeah. and when i sat with it and i revisited it a couple of years later because a friend of mine's like no we you, give it another chance you got to watch it again it's it's really good and i watched it a second time having a better idea of what it was and not not bringing that baggage with me i was like Oh, this is really good. This is a good haunted house story. Yeah. And so it, it's funny how different you can be when you watch stuff. Like my big thing lately, I've been in a big kick of uh, stuff like David Lynch and mm-hmm. really weird, just going, going out there and watching the weird stuff and, and letting it kind of just wash over me and take it in. And I needed to be who I am now in order to appreciate something like blue velvet or a racer head um, where I, if I had watched that when I was 20, 22, I wouldn't have gotten it and it wouldn't have been enjoyable to me. And yeah. so there's, because I would have been too busy trying to, 
um, fit it into what I thought it should be. I did that the first time with uh, when I watched um, uh, Brick. Brick was one okay. of those too that I did that with, where it didn't didn't land for me. Yeah, the Ryan Johnson yeah. one. It didn't land with me that first time because I had some sort of preconceived notion of what I thought it should be mm-hmm. instead of letting it be the movie that it is. Uh, and that right. is something that I wish more people could, could do is just let a movie be what it is. Well, and I, then judge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to toot my own horn here, but I do have that as my pin tweet. It's like, you know, the problem oh, really? <laughs> is that we often judge a movie for what we want it to do versus what it's trying to do. Like, I, I think you have to meet a movie on its own terms instead of you expect you expecting it to meet you where you need it to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I watch yeah. a comedy movie, I don't care really if it makes me laugh, it's it's done its job, right? If a comedy <laughs> doesn't make me laugh, then it's like, oh, you've failed miserably, right? If a horror movie doesn't scare me, if an action movie doesn't get my pulse racing a little bit, that's the base reaction you should be having to this. And if you're against like adaptations, you always have your original thing. You don't have to have this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I do not like Batman versus Superman, right? But I can spend my life complaining about that, or I can go, you know what? <laughs> I, have, I have my Dark Knight trilogy, right? right. I have my right. Batman the Animated Series. I can focus my energy and my attention onto things that I like versus making mm-hmm. my whole personality about hate. And, you know, because there's that's the thing with these comic book adaptations is you've got so many things to pick and choose from that you just, if you don't like something, you've got something to fall back on. You can watch something else, yeah. right? And I... I think that might be one of the, there's many issues why the Marvels isn't doing too great, why Quantumania didn't do too great, you know what I mean? But one of the things is like, if you've got constant TV shows, if you've got constant films, and like we said, when you've got a franchise going, you have to keep like A to B to C storytelling. That's worked for you many times before. And, you know, you have an Iron Man 2, which I like, right? You have you know, like a, a Ant-Man and the Wasp, that kind of stuff, where they come in and they're not quite up to the, oh, look how powerful this is, is Infinity War, Main Avengers, that kind of thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. you have to, you, you can ignore those because it there's, uh, you have other things to fall back on, but plus there's not like, you don't have three, four Marvel shows that you try to watch and, oh my gosh, they're following the same format and they're hitting the same flaws that I had with the last one, the problems that I had with the mm-hmm. last one. Right. So when you're yeah. so saturated, it's like, why? And I, I think that was the same thing why I stopped watching these movies. It's just I reached a point where I was like, I, I need to be doing something else. And Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. which is, again, an enjoyable film, I, I was kind of upset by it because I was like, I didn't, this is two hours that I didn't need to spend. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. you could have said Captain Marvel's the most powerful Avenger without showing me a two hour movie, and it accomplishes the same thing right so sure. just for me that movie didn't really do you know it was just two hours of, of filler which is why i stopped watching these movies but you know that's it's just like you said when you're sitting down to watch these things you know you you have to meet it on its own terms right i i get yeah. into arguments all the time with people and it's you know like what you like but if i look at infinity war like I really like Thor Ragnarok because at the end of the movie, when Thor loses his eye, that's that's mythology. You know, Odin, when he mm-hmm. loses his eye, he gains sight because of that, right? And yeah. I was like, whoa, this isn't just the illusion of change that Stan Lee talks about in his comic books, where you can change things, but then you switch it back. Like, they, Thor lost an eye, right? Iron Man 3 at the end, he loses his, he gives up his his powers, and he gets the the chest piece taken out of him, right? Yep. These, yeah. these are choices that they're making that you can't walk back. 
and then they walked it back with Infinity War. I was like, well, I don't know if that's how eyes work. <laughs> First of all, you just can't plug <laughs> somebody else's eye. But then it was like, and then he he over the course of Ragnarok, he learns I don't need my hammer to be who I am. The power's inside me. It's not my hammer that defines me, right? Yeah. But then in Infinity War, he creates a new hammer. So to me watching Infinity War, I'm like, you just walked back something that I thought was so important and I valued so much in Thor Ragnarok. And I say that on Twitter and people are like, oh, but they have to do that because he can't wear the eye patch or he has to have the, the hammer or, or the, 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 the axe or whatever, right? And I'm like, I get yeah. that. But me being told a story uh, and they mm-hmm. did it with Iron Man 3. The next time we saw Tony in Civil War, he's like, oh, remember that whole movie that I spent you know, realizing I had to give up my suits? <laughs> Guess what? I didn't. I couldn't do it, and I lost Pepper. I was like, so that movie's – you've erased it from history. There's no reason that movie needs to exist because the whole arc is erased, right? Yeah. And it's just – when in Infinity War, it's the same thing with Spider-Man Homecoming. He goes to the whole movie realizing, I don't have to be an Avenger. And then because like, one of his first scenes, he becomes an Avenger. You know what I mean? They just, they're erasing all these things that, and Black Panther was, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting to a point here, but Black Panther, no, a scene in a movie, yeah, there's a whole thing with the fight, right? But then it kind of brings it back down to like, let me die like the people on the ships, you know, like uh, a Killmonger says, which is such a powerful line, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in the theater when T'Challa goes back to Harlem. I think that's where it was, where where the whole story began with his father and his uncle. Oh, when uh, he goes back, Compton, yeah, Compton. When they go back to that, and they're like, "We're starting from ground up, from where this whole problem started." I was like, "Why is this is amazing for a franchise film? This is so powerful as storytelling and as character work, where you're talking about building back up from where things crumbled, and then and then they introduce well Wakanda. We're going to introduce because the whole point of the movie is they're hiding their technology from the world." And that's yep. making it worse. And so they give their technology. And then in Infinity where they show up and the that whole ending for Black Panther is just about so they can have a place to fight. And <laughs> again, I, I get it. But yeah. to me, I'm like, well, these things that I'm latching onto and that are so powerful to me, you're erasing them just so you can forward your friend. And I get it. That's what people push back on. You have to do that to get to the next movie. But the way that that's that's not how movies work like you said that's how comics work and yeah when i'm in the mindset of watching a movie i need it to function like a movie i can't i can't have it function like a comic book because my brain is wanting and it's disappointing mm-hmm. because it's not giving me the the roundedness you know what i mean i yeah. i don't like i said at the end of the day the the character stuff is what matters and watching infinity mm-hmm. war watching uh, uh endgame that brought that all back endgame even has one thing where infinity war you have the whole thing with with a uh, banner not being able to communicate with the hulk and it's yep. his whole arc he can't figure it out and then an infinity war when and in, sorry in endgame when he shows up he's like oh yeah i figured that out off screen it's like what <laughs> we'll just hand wave <laughs> like, that away don't worry yeah i'm like it, it i get that these movies when i say this because george lucas says this about star wars when these movies are made for 12 year olds the 12 year old in mm-hmm. all of us i don't mean that as a negative because we need to have that kid-like joy right but i don't need these movies to be written by 12 year olds (laughs) i need i need them to follow through on these arcs that they're building don't take out thor's eye and then just give him an eye back in the next one because that's making me feel like and that was one of the reasons i didn't want to watch infinity war because you see him with the eye and i was like 
you're I, I can't I can't be invested in these things if you're just going to retcon them. And so yeah. I don't know. And I get it, but people push back and I, I understand. It's just I'm my brain works a little it, different, I guess. You're right. And and that's the thing, right? Movies aren't comic books, but the MCU is the comic books of movies. And what's yeah. the one thing with comic books is like it doesn't matter what you change, it ends up going back to what it was, right? Like they can kill off Steve Rogers in the comics. But eventually he's going to come back to life and become Captain America again, because that's what people want in the comic book is Steve Rogers as Captain America. They want, you know, uh, yeah. because you also otherwise... don't want to alienate the people that don't read comics religiously. And then they come mm -hmm. back. Well, why is why is Dr. Octopus living in the mind of Peter Parker's body? Right They're They're going to be alienated right. by stuff like that. So you do want to bring you against Stanley's illusion of change. You pretend that these things matter, but then you walk it back because people are, are not used to they can't have Dr. Octopus, the sinister Spider-Man as the new status quo. That's not just right. that's just not what Spider-Man is. Yeah. And it, it's so hard to do in that medium. And so that's the really difficult part. You could do those stories in movies, but what you're going to do is you're going to limit the broad, the audience and yeah. end of the day, that's, that's the biggest thing they want is the broadest audience, the most butts and seats. Um, right. And unfortunately, that's the kind of movie that it is, but yeah, but, but it is, that is the kind of movie it is. It yeah. just, unfortunately it does sacrifice some uh some types of storytelling in order to do that where i do think that it works thankfully is that they can back it up with character interactions mm -hmm. um if you don't get the growth of the characters it does become because i mean let's be real if comic books mirrored real life then tony stark would have probably died of old age in the yeah. you know like <laughs> 10 years ago right because yeah. he would have been he'd be in his 90s right by now um yeah or older so it's it's that kind of stuff but but you're right in that uh it, it can be tough and so eventually you just have to get off the roller coaster um i mean i i still enjoy them and and i will keep watching the mcu movies as long as i get enjoyment out of them mm -hmm. but i also am uh like i still haven't watched uh you know stuff like loki season two or uh, right. things like that. I, I don't feel as though I have to watch all of it day and date anymore. Like I did because it's sort of the same thing. It's like, I hear good things about it and I know I, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch whatever it is. I'm going to end up enjoying it. It's odds are, um, it, it takes a lot for me to not like something. Um, yeah. my biggest issue is when things are boring. Um, <laughs> well, it's, like, that's the cardinal sin of any movie. Um, yeah, this is the, I, this is episode 242 of this podcast. So, and one awesome. episode I did two, two movies. So 243 movies I have watched for this particular show. That's and awesome. yeah. of those, I can count on one hand, the number that I don't ever want to watch again. <laughs> well, I have so little time that if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie, I'm going to find a way to enjoy the movie even something i say mm -hmm. this all the time to my wife even something like the tooth fairy with Dwayne the rock johnson right i mean it's it's not for me but there's a scene where he's dealing with billy crystal you know and the, billy crystal is so funny and the rock is so good at reacting because half of comedy is reacting to what's what's yep. happening that i was like well i just got the enjoyment that i needed out of this kids movie that's not for me that scene did it for me and, and it's the same i agree with you if a movie the cardinal sin is if it bores me or if my mind wanders 
which mm-hmm. I, I did with a couple movies this summer that I won't name because I don't want to get in more trouble. But like literally there was a movie this summer that was a read like a fourth or fifth movie. And I was like, I could literally be doing anything else right now. I, I don't need to be here for this. You know what I mean? Was I, it Mission I, Impossible? So, did you not like Mission Impossible? No, I love Mission Impossible. We'll leave it okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this other movie was like, I don't. I don't need this. Like, uh, and I started doing, well, what am I going to do when I get home? Like, what are we going to make for dinner? That's a problem. If if I'm not involved and I'm thinking about what I'm yeah. going to do after your stupid movie is over, then it's like, eh, you're, you failed yep. at something. You've lost me along the way. And uh, again, even though I have issues, like I'm saying this again and again, even though I have issues with the MCU, there has not been a movie that I walked out of going, that was a, other, you know, not even Captain Marvel because it was enjoyable. It's just, there isn't a movie that I've hated. You know what I mean? There is yeah. a movie that I was like, this yep. is one of the worst things I've ever, because they're all the same technically with their interactions. And if the, it has that, in it, then great. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, I can't get, I can't get mad at it. Like you said, I, I, I'm only got myself to blame if I sit and watch a movie that's, you know, going to waste my time. It's like, I have to, sure. that's why I have to be a little more choosy. Mm-hmm. And, and that completely makes sense. And that's important. I think that a lot of people don't understand is like, I have the time because I, you know, I, I don't have kids. I just have a dog and uh-huh. I live alone. So it's like, I can make the time to watch a lot more movies. That's part of why I, I do too many podcasts is <laughs> I have the time to do them, but it's like, right. I have that time, but you don't, or this person doesn't, or I have friends of mine that haven't seen a lot of stuff because they've got kids and they've got families and they've got stuff going on and they have other interests outside of watching movies too which yeah. all those things are completely valid. So I never decry somebody who's like, you know what? I just don't really care to go watch that one or I'm going to skip that one this time. It's like, all right, you know, that's cool. Eventually you might watch it or you may never. That's fine. And uh, and I think that that is something that too many people don't do either is they, they feel like fans, I mean, obviously being short for fanatic, but fans can really hurt something as much as they can help it because you can get to to be too yeah. exuberant about a thing right right like it, it just at some point you just have to let people do what they're going to do and yeah. not try to force them into your fandom like and you you brought up and i think it's a really good point is that a lot of people that were into this kind of stuff or into like i see it with tabletop games dungeons and dragons and stuff like that too is uh-huh. I grew up in that era where it was not cool to play D and D and you weren't the, it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing that a lot of people did. Um, and so you were ostracized a little bit, you were made fun of. And I am now like, I love the more inclusivity that it gets and the more, the, the more people play it because it's such a fun experience. And I want other people to experience that, that I don't want to keep people from it. But I also know people who just have no desire for it. And I know, mm-hmm that and that's perfectly fine too and all of that's great like just let people Mm -hmm. do what they're gonna do like don't force things well that's that's the the, way to turn people off to it yeah there's a positive thing in these comic book movies becoming so big is that you know jocks know who thanos is jock know jocks know who you know rocket the raccoon is you know what i mean it's like my parents like when they my parents mentioned the name thanos so mentioning black panther it's like well you've opened these things are normalized where they weren't before even dungeons and dragons or people that play that it's like well 
it's it's not so much a thing to make fun of anymore because we all have our things that we're kind of into that maybe other people aren't into, right? And that's what I like about fandoms is that, oh, now we're all welcoming. Where you go wrong is when you're like, oh, you don't like a comic book movie? How dare you? I'm going right. to threaten your life. I'm going to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to kill you the next time I see you or you should die or stuff like that. It's like, well, <laughs> that's like – or. Again, with these new Star Wars movies, especially, it feels like, and Batman mm. v Superman, it's like, I cannot, it, it makes me feel like I don't have the right to like something, and I don't have the right to dislike something, because fans are so yeah. possessive and entitled that any kind of, you know, criticism or or knock is, is seen as some kind of, you know, attack on their or livelihoods and attack on their humanity. And it's like, well, I, I get that, but there's no reason to make it personal just in, you don't you don't have to don't listen to me if you don't like what I have to say about a certain thing you don't have to listen to me but you you also don't have to threaten my life you know right. or, or make fun of my children or I, that hasn't happened yet but you know, you know there's I'm sure it has somewhere you know what I mean where people are afraid for how oh, yeah. to say what they feel and if again if you feel like I'm knocking the MCU too much it's like well that's just how my brain works i'm still gonna like them you know what i mean but it's mm -hmm. you don't have to listen to me <laughs> it's it's that simple well, and i think that's what people don't understand yeah and and one of the things i've always appreciated about our interactions on twitter have yeah. always been that you have a very reasonable approach to all of this that i don't think enough people do because you don't make a fandom or your like or dislike of something into your personality yeah. And I appreciate that because that's where it can be tough, right? Is uh, I'm an MCU stan, and that's that's not a personality. That's uh, <laughs> a, a part of uh, what can be built into a personality, but that just being a fan of a thing doesn't define who you are, um, yeah. for good or ill. Yeah, and that. Well, so I've always i I just want to say I've always appreciated that. Is like even when we disagree on something. Yeah, it's there's always like a reason for it. There's always a measurement to it. And and it's always respectful. And I yeah. very much appreciate that. Because that's right. the kind of well, thing I want to foster too. like, absolutely. Well, you know, it, it's I, want... I, I say these things about Thor getting his eye back. And again, I I say this so much and people, you know, fight back on it that I, I don't remember if you and I have ever had a conversation like that. But the reason that I don't remember that we've had a conversation like that is because I think you're a very reasonable person. You know, you have your likes, your dislikes. But mm -hmm. and again, wow, I so appreciate that you're saying that because that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to start arguments. I want to start conversations. I yes. don't think that opinions need if somebody's top 10 list you know, matches mine exactly like each placement, that's going to make me want to kill myself <laughs> because I don't, the, the homogeneity of life is not something that I want to be able to, Oh, why do you have this is not on your list? Why is this number five instead of number two? I want to be able to have those interactions instead of just yeah. us patting each other on the back and giving each, you know, mm -hmm. it gets boring after a while. I, that's not a conversation. It's more of a, you know, just kind of a, a, a reveling in joy. And then what do you do after that? There's, there's no, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I, I do appreciate that. I'm sorry if we've had those <laughs> conversations before about comic book movies, but I no, feel like I mean, you're honestly, respectful enough that we've, we we yeah. haven't gotten in fights and that's the difference I think. No. And that's the beauty of it is I, what I want is conversations. I don't need everybody to agree with me all the time. It's I, I don't care to go to the mutual admiration society, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, I want, I, 
and even if I agree with somebody and I can talk about it and we can geek out about a thing, that's fun. But if we don't agree on something or we have differing opinions on something, we can come together and we can have that conversation. That's what I want. Like I've sort of had a thing where on all forms of social media, I very rarely um, have blocked people mm -hmm. because for the most part, most it, it's gotten more common lately because I'm just getting to the point where I stopped caring. Um, yeah. But it's always, it's almost always uh, people that go way over the line, but mm -hmm. like, I want to have those conversations. I don't want to just uh, drop a, uh, you know, a tweet of like, I'm going to stir the pot and then walk away from it. And, right, like, yeah. and like yell and scream. I, I don't get that either, but like I will put out a, a an opinion uh, right now. I've been doing the 30 day movie challenge. Just, you know, every day I put up a mo different movie that fits whatever their mm -hmm. thing is. And I do that not because I want to toot my own horn or, or anything like that. I want to generate some conversation. I've had people come back with like, yeah, that's cool. And then this is one that I liked. Uh, the soundtrack oh, yeah. was a great one. Yeah. Like I want that. I want that going on because that fosters all sorts of cool stuff. If I didn't do this show, there's so many movies I would never have seen because I just, they would have been out of sight, out of mind. Whereas people can be like, yeah, no, you got to check this movie out. And I'll be like, I haven't even heard of that before. Sure. Let's watch it. Come <laughs> on my show. We'll talk about it. And because of that, I've seen things like Amelie, which mm -hmm. was fantastic. Um, yes. There's this Japanese film called fish story. Amazing. Um, mm. And uh, like also stuff like that, even going back and watching some classics, like finally watching The Apartment, um, yeah. which is I wouldn't have sought that movie out on my own necessarily, but somebody wanted to watch that with me. And I was like, this is amazing. How did I go 40 years of my life and never see this? Like, where has this been? Yeah. So, yeah. Where has it been my whole life? And and so that's one of those things I want to foster that kind of conversation as well. So I think that was right. It's just something I just want to make sure you understood how much I appreciate that, that oh. you do that. And you put that out there. So thank you for that. <laughs> no, no. Well, right back at you. I mean, you, it's, <laughs> it's this course, it's this Scorsese thing. It's like, yeah, enjoy what you enjoy, but you don't have to enjoy just that one particular thing. There's a whole world of other things out there. What I love about uh, your podcast, you know, a gore with this one or anything, it's like you cover things from Nope to Chud to 12 Angry Men to The Fugitive to The Outsiders yep. to Eraserhead to the, the Maltese Falcon. Like you've got the classics in there as well as like the lowbrow stuff. You, you have to, again, people push back on watch more movies, but yeah, watch more movies because there's so much out there that you're going to love and, and yeah. you're going to see that this comic book movie that you love has been built, not just from other comic book movies, but other movies from the thirties and the forties and Spielbergisms. Oh, yeah. I've wended their way into these and you're going to go, Oh, that's where the, and I've had a conversation just recently with Jason of binge movies where he said, because I point these things out, and let's say I point something out on Top Gun Maverick. That doesn't mean you have to stop liking Top Gun Maverick in a right. way because every, you can see where the pieces have come from. You're able to enjoy Top Gun Maverick even more. You know what I mean? It's it's everything is cyclical and everything is built. And so it's not yeah. just Iron Man to Avengers Endgame building that. There's all these up like film discourse and the way that visuals have been cinematography is adapted to get where we are today in special yeah. effects. Like you've got it's it's. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying you've got so much to experience that it's just going to broaden your mind and be like, Oh, I can see the scope of everything. And it's so fun. And, and yeah. that's again, that you got this idea of taking movies that people haven't seen, 
you know, like someone hasn't seen Citizen Kane is like, well, I guess I better get around to it. What better way to do it than talking with Travis? You know what I mean? It's like it's it's his whole show. And so when you told me like, well, do this and pick this and figure out if it's on the website, I was like, you know what? I think I've been trying. I've been kind of putting it off, but let's watch Avengers Endgame. Not just like, because again, I don't think of myself as a hoity-toity, only watching Ingmar Bergman movies type <laughs> guy. I want to be able to enjoy these superhero things just as much. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, Endgame a tick off the box kind of movie, but I'm glad I saw it. There's, uh, I there's no one to, but me to blame for not being there to cheer on Cap picking up Mjolnir. You know what I mean? But <laughs> seeing those signatures at the end of the movie and just going, mm-hmm. even with all the flaws of this they still did such a good job that I'm feeling emotions watching these signatures pop up on screen because yeah. you've given me 11 years, not always perfect entertainment, but you've given me 11 years of entertainment. That's nothing to, to, to sneeze at. You know what I mean? And it's the MCU people have tried to do connected universes and it just isn't working because there's some kind of magic formula with the MCU that I don't think anybody else has been able to crack. And that's, yeah, it's it's wavering now because Endgame I think was a maybe a saturation point, but yeah, you know, there's watch Endgame, watch Federico Fellini, you know, be don't think of Scorsese as just knocking you. It's just you've got to broaden your horizons, and again, that's what this show does. Travis, that's what you do, and that's something I appreciate about what your well, your conversation. You. So, thank you. I love that because I'm with you. Like. I love the fact that right now at my theater, I can go in and I can watch the Marvels or I can watch Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, and yes. both of those things are there. And it's like, yes, obviously Killers of the Flower Moon is more of a, a um, investment, right? Because you got three hours plus, uh, right. but I, it's there. And I love that. I want that to be there because I want to be able to then sit down and talk with people about it. And your point about like, the history of film and cyclical and all of that. And we see, um, I was listening to a show just recently. There's a a great podcast called the picture show with Austin and Phil rude. Uh And it's a father and son and they do, uh, they'll pick a movie, they'll watch it. And, you know, so it's the Phil is roughly, uh, in his, I think late forties or early fifties and, uh, Austin's in his early twenties. And so they have very different mindsets. Um, and obviously grew up with different stuff. And it's great because they don't, they, they pick movies from all sorts of eras. And it's really interesting to hear the perspectives of that. Like listening to a 20 something talk about watching a movie from the seventies and loving the look and feel of what a seventies movie was like something like Jaws, right? Because when you watch Jaws, it is very much a product of its time. Mm -hmm. And it's such a different style of filmmaking from what we get now. And I love, I love all that kind of stuff because that's the beauty of film is it's history all the time. Even if it's, you know, it's manufactured history. Sure. But it's still, there's, there's things about watching the apartment versus watching, uh, or 12 angry men is a great example of when I watched 12 angry men for the first time, I could not get over how good that was. Yeah. And like, it's still, I'm still chewing on that. And it's still rolling around in my head daily. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was a remake of it in the nineties. And part of why that didn't work as well when I watched it, because I decided, I'm like, you know, I'm going to watch this. It's only like, what, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. There was just something in the different styles of the eras and how they made it. And 
and I love comparing and contrasting stuff like that. It's what makes film and uh, and entertainment so interesting to me. It's uh, writing because there's so many aspects of it. So it, it's a lot of fun and it, it's so much fun doing this and getting to talk to people about it and having these discourses and being able to bring on people like you who don't always have to have the same uh, opinions as I do. And I, I do yeah. like your comparisons, by the way. I do I do like when you do stuff like that. And that is, I think, the biggest thing is I can say something that is either saying like, look, this, you know, this took from, this was inspired by, or this ripped off or whatever. It doesn't take away from something like Top Gun Maverick uh, okay. is a good example. Um, or, uh, I mean, anything really. There's so much like t uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I went and right. saw that. I had a blast with that movie. It owes so much to Into the Spider-Verse. Yep. Yes, it uh, does. It's, it's ridiculous, but mm -hmm. it still can stand on its own, and it's still super great. So making that comparison, you don't take away from something just because you're comparing it to something else. Well, the thing – sorry, we might be on kind of a tangent here, but the thing that <laughs> Mutant Mayhem does is, yeah, it owes itself to Spider-Verse, but it's also its own thing because it's not yep. – Spider-Verse was – the reason that I think I have Into the Spider-Verse is my – favorite comic book movie of all time is that it number one it really hit the spider-man stuff just perfect it really hit the uh you know the oh, yeah. poc perspective versus the female perspective it had that whole uh you know wrapped into one movie and it also looked like a comic book the characters move like you can't they can't move yeah. like that in live action right mm -hmm. um you, you can only approximate it but like uh, and so that has its own identity but mutant mayhem had the identity of this is what it looks like to look at a 16 year old that's sketching in his sketchbook at school right yes it has that kind mm -hmm. of unfinished quality so even though it owes to spider-verse it's still very much its own thing and has its own distinct style and so yeah. you you have to watch, again, I say you have to, I, I just really think it's more enriching if you can watch it this way, watch it in a way that, oh, this compares to this, but it's also separate, or maybe I don't, you know, like comic book movies, I don't have to watch comic book movies, I've got these other things, yeah. it's like, but every now and then there are good comic book movies out there there you know you've got the christopher nolan's you've got the james gunn stuff you've got you know mm -hmm. tim burton's made some great ones you know what i mean sam sam raimi there's there's great quality stuff in all genres i just i don't understand personally closing yourself off from that and so that's again bringing it back to scorsese it's like that's what we're talking about just go watch killers of the flower moon go watch the holdovers also go watch the marvels it's like it's great having that variety mm -hmm. at your at, at, you know at the tip of your you know, in your wallet you can just go and just pay for whatever i think that's great yeah absolutely and we lit we are in a an era of just i mean we're lousy with choices for yes. things to watch so whether you want to go back and watch something you've seen before or you want to check out something new or you want to you want to take a flyer on you know maybe not in the theater although subscriptions at theaters have made that a little bit easier like there's some movies in the last couple of years i've gone to watch in a theater that i might not have otherwise because i have something like amc stubs yeah where i can pay twenty dollars a month and go um but again you know also being single living alone it's a little easier for me to do that but <laughs> even if you just wait the six months or whatever for something to show up on streaming services somewhere like the holdovers is a perfect example i because alexander payne i mean 
amazing movies yeah. and I can't wait to watch the holdovers. Unfortunately, it's not playing at my theater and I'm kind of mad about that, but yeah, same here. Like I know where you are. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that, uh, having those choices and equating something like the MCU to fast food doesn't make it a bad thing. It's not a knock on it. There's nothing wrong with Burger King or McDonald's. Mm. Just don't make it all that you eat. Don't make it the only it's not, thing. It's not healthy. Can, yeah. It's add not the that variety. <laughs> not yeah, exactly. And, and only watching Marvel content isn't healthy for you either because you're never going to grow beyond that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, or, I mean, look, if that's the thing you want to do, that's your choice. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to stop you from doing that, but I'm going to suggest try some new things. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. And, Perfect. and, you know, Endgame, I'm, I'm glad that you got to watch Endgame and and got to see that and you know now you can a tick the box off but b sort of put a bow on that and even if you don't watch any more mcu stuff you sort of you got through that that big phase that big whatever mm -hmm. it was and if something comes along that tickles your fancy and and makes you say oh man i should go check that out you can um mm -hmm. but endgame i just think was such a satisfying conclusion for so many stories of these characters that uh that brought it about and it did give us a good finality to a few of them uh not all of them but a couple of them well um, that's and, the thing is that the finality that the that's the thing that i liked i loved about guardians 3 this summer was that there was such mm -hmm. a sense of closure to everything and you can see how awesome is it? I'm just going to pick one character. How awesome is it that Nebula is a character that's been tortured and pieced together from other pieces of other things. And her art concludes with building worlds and bringing people together. Like that's yeah. her arc. And it's like, wow, you've, you've, it's not just, you know, circles and circles and, you know, wheels and wheels. And you've gotten us to a place where now they can move on and do something else. There was so much closure and finality to that movie that it's just, yeah, it was happy, but it was heartbreaking. So it was bittersweet. So you knew that these, mm -hmm. this is the last time you're going to see these characters, but it's like, yeah, but they're going out in such a way. And again, that's a, a big reason why the dark Knight rises means a lot to me because as my favorite comic book character, seeing Bruce Wayne get closure, how yeah. brave is that for a comic book movie to end in that way that these characters yeah. are happy and they've accomplished what they need to do. And it's like, and end game, like I said, it's a set that finality of cap, ending up with with peggy at the end it's like yes that's what you want and you want to mm -hmm. I, I think that's the difference like it ends in a big cgi battle that kind of looks like a spy kids movie sometimes <laughs> with the way they're melting <laughs> everybody but the end of the movie is not that the end of the movie is is steve and peggy finally having that dance and finally yeah. and that's the image you go out on it's like you know i have qualms with the movie but at the end of the day excellent work you've you've really closed it out in a way that's like yes this there's a payoff to this that i'm glad i was mm -hmm. here for even though i didn't watch these things in theaters <laughs> I, I was still there for the experience seeing it from the beginning to the end and that's yeah that's one thing i was grateful for this is like you know i'm finally gonna watch endgame i finally have i've got no excuse i've got an excuse to have no excuse <laughs> let's go ahead and watch this so yeah and i think this is a great what you and I have talked to me anyway, I feel like this is a great conversation about what this kind of stuff means and how we can, even with perceived flaws, we can still see the good and what's accomplished in this thing. And, and again, yeah. we don't have to like it. We can, people can hate what we said or what I've said and, but move on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go watch something exactly. else. It's like, there's all this stuff. 
I don't want to say content, but there's all this, you know, information and, and joy and art that we can absorb. And I think, yeah, you know, I really like that, that we were able to gear the conversation in that way. I do too. I do too. Um, so let people know where they can find you online and what you're working on. Cause you, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, the nostalgia cast, what's that, what, uh, where, and where can people find it? Well, Nostalgia Cast is uh, my co-host and I, John, and we started this thing as let's take movies that we loved as kids, but that we haven't seen in, say, 10 years. And you're walking past the Walmart $5 or $3.50 bin, and you're like, oh, my gosh, here's um, the jazz singer with, with Neil Diamond. I haven't seen this in forever. It's $3? Sure, it's the price of it. I'll just buy this. And so you sit down and watch it, and your reaction to the movie is either, yeah, this is just as good as I remember, or it's, what the hell was I thinking? You know, that kind of like... <laughs> obviously I've grown from here. So that's kind of where the show started. And we started watching all these movies from like the eighties or the seventies. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to, at the end of the day, it's like, well, that was fine. But in mm -hmm. our recent seasons, we've started doing, which I pushed against because I didn't want to do stuff like star Wars or princess bride or uh, back to the future, because everybody talks about those things, but being able to talk about back to the future and the princess bride has been so much fun that can still be nostalgic. And so that's what we're yeah. all about. It's kind of like taking the, the, you know, is, is it helping nostalgia can be a dangerous thing, obviously, but like sometimes, you know, if we take off the rose colored glasses, are these movies still what they're meant to be? Yeah. And so we've been having fun with that. Last season, we did 90s movies, which is what Johnny and I grew up on. So if you haven't checked out any of those episodes, like uh, Goodfellas or uh, The Matrix or Pulp Fiction or From Dust Till Dawn or that thing you do, there's a whole bunch of movies that we just delved into and had so much fun talking about. Our next season that we're starting at the end of this month, we're going to dive into 70s films. So talking about Jaws and stuff like that, we're going nice. to be looking at kind of... Again, kind of the same thing that happened. I think we're at a saturation point right now where people are kind of tiring of the same old, same old comic book movies and generic run-of-the-mill cookie-cutter stuff. That happened in the 50s and 60s to the point where yeah. Copeland, Spielberg, and De Palma, and Scorsese, uh, John Milius started coming out of the woodwork, and uh, studios were like, you know what? Let's get away from the big-budget anonymous stuff and get and hand these films over to these people that have actual voices i think that's kind of where we're gearing towards right now we're waiting for the next best the next big thing to come around or maybe to inv yeah. reinvigorate us and so talking about the 70s it's so far the conversation we've had have been so much fun because it's exciting watching movies that birth the whole new generation of film fans so yeah awesome. absolutely check us out and I, i'm only on twitter right now um we're on the the blue sky thing or whatever i don't know if i'm allowed to say mm -hmm. that but uh yeah twitter <laughs> you can find me just at dw lundberg i'll be there because i've made so many friends like you travis i'll be there yeah. until my friends all disappear because it's those conversations that i just i live for and uh yeah thank you for being one of those people that i can have these healthy conversations with absolutely uh and yeah, um, definitely a, a great follow on Twitter. Um, Blue Sky as well, if you're on there, uh, look for him there. But um, it's this has been amazing, uh, Darren, and you definitely will. I'll, I'll have you back anytime. We'll we'll find another awesome. movie. Maybe maybe we'll find something I haven't seen that you love. Uh, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. Um, now I'm on all the socials as TV's Travis, so. Anybody that's listening to this that isn't already following me, come on out, uh, follow me, uh, and let's 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 talk, let's have these conversations because it's yes, it's a lot of fun, and let's make them more positive spaces too, um, because that's what I want. I want good conversation. Um, and uh, if you enjoy this show and you want to watch it recorded live, I do that on Sunday nights at Twitch. 
uh, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, typically around eight o'clock Eastern time, varies week to week, depending. Um, and then the show comes out, uh, this show comes out on Wednesdays, anywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube in a video form. Um, so a subscription on YouTube would be great. Uh, it does help my channel grow a little bit. Uh, so I appreciate that. You can also go to my website, tvstravis.com, where you can find links to all of the shows that I do, not just this one. Uh, I'm on a show called Gore, talking about all horror movies. You're going to want to listen to the next episode that comes out of that in a couple of weeks because I had thoughts on the movie we watched. We all did. <laughs> um, I won't give away what the movie was, but trust me, it'll be worth listening to. Um, and uh, you can also find links to like, uh, you know, silly merchandise with my logo on it or uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash WYHS uh, for as little as a dollar an episode. So that's where you can find me around there. Uh, check out the Nostalgia Cast. Absolutely. Uh, and Darren, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on. Um, Thank you we'll for do having this again. me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, until next week, uh, and I am watching, um, oh, Identity, uh, which Ooh. is a movie with John Cusack. I cannot wait. Uh, John Bush is coming on to talk with me about it, and uh, he's never seen it before. I can't wait. <laughs> this is going to be super, super fun because I, I dig this movie. So That's great. come That's on back for one, that. Man. Yeah. Uh, so until next week and that, just remember to enjoy your movies. Um, and the world's tough, so be excellent to each other. Somebody peed my pants. Oh, thank God. But I don't know if it was baby me or old me. Or just me, me. Time travel! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>